0: This morning, I ask that you would touch my lips today. Father, that you will minister into my mind today. Father, that you will use my entire vessel for your glory. Father, as your altar purges the gift that is given to you of all human dross, I ask you this morning that you will purge me, myself personally, of human dross this morning. Let nothing that I say give glory unto me. Lord, let nothing that I say bring about vainglory in any way. Father, in all that is said and done today, let these words be penetrating and your words, as you give me an oracle from the throne room of heaven, let me repeat exactly that that you have told me this week and what you will add to that today. Father, I pray that every heart, soul, mind and body will be as receptive here in this church this morning. Father, that everyone will hear what God has said and everyone will hear what God is trying to do and everyone will be responsive to what God is calling us to do. Father, Father, today in the name of Jesus, we bind every spirit of fear, we bind every spirit of depression, we, find every, we bind every spirit of rebellion in this church this morning, and we loose the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, and a spirit of supplication and burning. Father, that you would convict the hearts of your children that's under the sound of my voice this morning, and nobody would leave here the way that they came. Father, we give you this service right now. We ask you, Lord, that you'll send the angels into this, this community community and into this church service today father let them walk through and touch every brow when all is said and done let your purpose be prevailed in this church in Jesus Christ's name and the church said amen Amen. and amen find somebody right beside of you and say you got to cut the cord and kill the bull say it again say I got to cut the cord and kill that bull kill that bull now, before I go further, I want to give you a word that you're going to hear a little bit this morning. I want to give you an, a, a, question, a, a, a definition about a question that you would have in your mind when it comes up, and that is the word culture. Under the sound of my voice today, we've got a lot of cultures under the sound of my voice. Those of you that are listening to us online, there's a lot of cultures that's under the sound of my voice. And there are quite a bit of difference between one culture and another, and I don't claim to be an expert on that. but one thing I understand is, is that everybody has a different culture. The word culture means the customs and the arts and the social institutions and all the achievements of a particular nation or a particular people or a particular social group. Also, it means the characteristics and the knowledge of a people that encompasses or encompasses, is the way you want to pronounce it, language, religion, cuisine, social habits, music, and arts. What simply it means is that what you think is pretty, another culture may not think is pretty. What you think is cool, a lot of cultures don't think is cool. What you think is pleasant, a lot of people don't like. There are certain people that like to hear rap music. I can't stand it. It bothers me. I like to hear country. Don't listen to it no more, but I used to like to hear country. A lot of people don't like to hear country. They think it's a bunch of whining little people out there singing, hillbillies. I love to hear good old southern gospel music. A lot of people like contemporary music. It's got a lot to do with the culture that you come from. It is important for all of us to understand how the anointing of God, also how the power of the Holy Ghost, how the working of the Holy Ghost, how the moving of the Holy Ghost interacts with everybody's culture. If you don't understand how culture responds to the workings and the movements of the Holy Ghost, then you as a minister especially is going to be in bad situation, and you're not going to be able to reach anybody. Now, a few years back, they wrote a book, and they said the title of the book was 12 Nations Under the United States of America, and they talked about 12 major cultures that there was in our nation. In other words, they were saying and made the argument that there were 12 different nations in the nations of the United States of America. One of them was called Yankeedom, and that there takes in the area north up there, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and a little bit of New York. And that there, uh, they said that one of the most powerful things about that culture is is they didn't mind government regulation. The government could get in their life, and they didn't have a problem about that. Then they said there was another nation called New Netherland. That was in New York. That was in certain other little areas. And they said that they were very materialistic, that they worked all the time to make money. And everything in New York is about money. I used to live up in New Jersey, and I'm going to tell you, everything up there is about money, 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 money. Your whole life is about money up that way. They have also a tolerance of diversity. In that area, you can be any kind of way you want to be, and they tolerate you. You can be gay, they tolerate you. You can be a lesbian, they tolerate you. You can be married to 20 women, and they tolerate you. Everything is about tolerance in that culture. The third culture that they mentioned was the Midlands, and they they oppose government in their life and they literally don't like the, the government in their life but not as strong as we are, they're kind of moderate they, they kind of flow back and forth in the Midwest in that area then there's the Tidewater region and that's where you come from that's the Tidewater. You're in the culture in North Carolina and in Virginia and in South Carolina. That's the culture that you were raised up in. And if you don't understand that culture, you'll never reach the people that are in the Bible Belt in the United States of America. This used to be, Glenn, the Bible Belt. It ain't no more. I want everybody to hear me. This is not the Bible Belt anymore. We have a strong tradition. In, in, the, in this little area called the Tidewater, they embraced slavery. They took slavery on and they said it was all right for man to rule over another. And it was beating you that respect and authority was literally important and that tradition was supposed to stand. If mama done it this way, you're supposed to do it this way. If daddy done it this way, you're supposed to do it this way. If the preacher preached this way, that's the way you're supposed to preach. If we're going to sing songs in the church, that's the way it's supposed to be. How many of you see that in our area as you were raised up? Tina even said this morning, know what i was going to preach about she said this morning I, i was raised up in baptist churches and we were programmed we come in and done the same thing over and over and over and over again tradition has a whole lot to say about how you are reacting in this particular culture amen Now the next one was called the Greater Appalachians. That's where you find all the hillbillies out over yonder. And if you've ever been to the Appalachian Mountains, there is some hillbillies over there, and they love to be called a hillbilly because they literally have personal sovereignty. They want to live the way they want to live. It don't matter what. Nobody dictates to them. That's what they want to do, and they feel like the individual liberty is the most important thing. So if I was a preacher in the mountains, then I had to fight against personal sovereignty. And the liberty that someone feels to be able to do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. Amen? Then there is the Deep South. They have a rigid social culture, their opposition is to the government and to uh, the regulation of the government. They are religious, they're very deeply religious. Then we go into the El Norte Nation. That is where all the Hispanics come from. This is the area and the community that works harder than any other community that there is. If you want to get somebody to work for you, go find you somebody that is of Hispanic origin, and they will work hard for you. Amen? How many would agree with that? Say Amen. It's important you hear me this morning with this. But they are conservatives, and they resent the Eastern values. They literally are independent and they believe that they are had to work hard and that they are supposed to take care of themselves. Some of that needs to be transferred over into our culture because there's a lot of people in our culture that wants the government to take care of them and want to feed them and all that other stuff when you're supposed to work yourself. Amen? Then there's another one called the left coast. That is a lot like the Them up in New York. They're very materialistic but they also have a sovereign uh, personal uh, sovereignty about themselves and they want to be independent. Then you have the far west and that is in Montana, Wyoming, and Utah. They're kind of conservative but not as conservative as we are. Then you have New France which is now in New Orleans and that is one of the worst and liberalist places that you will ever live in your life. If you've ever been to New Orleans, you're going to see things you may. Never seen before in your life. In Mardi Gras, they give women deeds for just getting there and flashing everybody. It's crazy. Sex is all over the street everywhere and everything is considered to be alright. You can walk out of a store and there's a witch sitting right there. You walk out of a store and a psychic is sitting right there. You walk out of a store and a satanic worshiper sitting right there. Everything is liberal down that way. Then we have what we call the first nation and that's where Mitt Betty comes from and where I come from. I'm an Indian and I'm an Indian and I got a uh, very deep spirituality on the inside of myself. I got probably more Indian in me than I do white because my grandmother was a full-blooded Shawnee Indian and I got a temper like a Shawnee Indian. If you want to get me mad, there's certain things you can do and I'll lose myself. Amen. Then there is the African-American nation, and the African-American nation is very spiritual. And I'm not saying this is the only uh, trait that they have with that, but the African-Americans are very talented. They can sing, and they can literally dance, and they can play sports. I'm going to tell you what, they literally have a value on their spirituality and on their music. In the black culture, and I was raised up right beside a black church, so I know what I'm talking about. You went to church, and when you went to church, you walked in that church at 9.30 in the morning or many of some come in like 10 o'clock and some come in at 11 and some come in at 12 and some come in at 1. But you stayed in that church from the time you got there to it was like 7 or 8 o'clock at night and then you went home. They were very spiritual and everything was about music. If they couldn't bring about any music, they had somebody sitting there with sticks, just hitting the sticks together. They were doing something because they love music. And the African-American people love music a whole lot more than you love music. Amen? Amen. But I want to share with you. It's very important that you understand every one of them cultures. So in order for me to preach my message today, because I have the El Norte here, I have the Tidewater here, I have the African American here, I have the White culture here, I have several different uh, 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 cultures here, I've got to be able to preach to you the way God wants me to so I can hit you where God wants you to be hit at this morning. How many is ready for that? Amen. Now I want to pick up my story here today, talking about the children of Israel. And the children of Israel now has been brought out of Egypt by of slavery. And they have crossed over the Red Sea. And Moses has kept them up around the mountain. And they, he has went up in top of the mountain. And he's been up there for 40 days. And after 40 days, they begin to wonder about well, if he's coming back down again. And they look at Aaron and they say, Aaron, make us a God. And right before the very presence in the face of God, in the presence of God, they build a golden. Calf, and as they are up there building that golden calf, God speaks to Moses, and He says, "Go down, for the people have corrupted themselves." And Moses comes down the mountain, and as he comes down the mountain, he sees his congregation. And I'm tell you, if I saw some of y'all doing this, I'd lose it, just like he lost it. He was—they were out there having sex and having an orgy and running around dancing to music, just as naked as a Jaybird around a golden calf. All right. They were... Moses was upstairs on top of the mountain in the anointing and in the power of God, but there was a disconnect between what the pastor was doing and what the congregation was doing. Am I helping anybody already this morning? You know where I'm going? There was a disconnect between what Moses experienced and what the children of Israel experienced, and they decided that they were going to build the golden calf, and we're going to find out why they built the golden calf. And I want to pick up on that today, and I want to develop it a little bit more, because these people that have been out there in the wilderness for a little while they have lived for 400 years under the slavery of Pharaoh. They were slaves and they literally didn't think for themselves they had literally changed themselves. The people itself had changed. Their values changed. Their cultures changed. Everything about them was changed. Their mind was changed. They still had a covenant with God but their minds had become so polluted because of the environment that they had been in for four hundred years that they, when they thought about building something to God, they thought about God being a bull. So they decided that they were going to build a tribute to the God that brought them out of Egypt and he was going to be a bull. Why did they do that there? The reason why they did that there is because they were affected by the environment and the association that they had been in all of their life. You are affected by your environment and by your associations. You can tell a person by the friends they choose. If you are a drunk, you hang around with drunks. If you want to be a drunk, find a drunk and you'll wind up being a drunk. Amen. Amen. If you want to be a millionaire, find a millionaire and hang around with them. You'll become a millionaire. If you want to be spiritual, find somebody that's spiritual. If you want to be a good Christian, find a good Christian that works and studies and listens to God and pal around with them and you'll straighten up and become exactly what they are. Amen? You are affected by your associations and your culture and you're affected by who you hang around with. You become who you live with. The Bible says when you have sex with a woman, that you and her become one. She is just like you in female form, and you are just like her in male form. Now, some people won't say that, and they won't accept that there, but there is a little, little female kittenance right there, and here is a, a tinammer kid right here. You need to understand that there. You are affected by your environment. You are affected by who you hang around with. And you're affected by it because culture is unique. Now, unfortunately, in this country, when we began to speak about culture, we immediately start thinking about colors. And we take all the people that's discolored skin and we think they're all monolithic, that they all vote the same way, that they all act the same way, that they all worship the same way, they all pray the same way, and they literally were cut from one stone and they form in one little thing. We have that false idea that a particular color of people is just alike. I want to share with you today, I look white, but I am more Indian in me than I am white. I act more like an Indian. I was raised right beside of an African-American and I went to the African-American church. I am more black than a lot of black people are. I preach like a black man. I sing like a black man. I love music like a black man. I act like a black man. I could talk like them if I wanted to. I chose not to talk like them. Thank God. Some of them just gone crazy, amen. I'm talking about my race now, I'm telling you. I'll pick it. But everybody is affected by the environment that you were raised up in. Nobody is the same. Just because your color is the same don't mean that you are affected and you react the same way as everybody else. In every culture, there is subcultures. There is a different culture in every different culture. There are different cultures in the white culture. There are different cultures in the black culture. There are different cultures in the El Norte culture. They literally have different ideas. They have different concepts, and they are affected by race and by their environment and by the people that they associate with. Families have cultures Certain families do certain things. Other families don't ever do that. Families, when I come up, you ate at the table. You didn't go into the living room and sit there in the living room and you ate at the television. Everything was cut off while you were around that table. Family, other families, they were out there and they were watching television and it didn't matter where they ate. Some of them be eating in the yard, some of them in the couch, some of them at the table. Nobody ever ate together and that was perfectly all right with them. I thought it was strange because we all ate at the table, but literally everybody is affected. by their own family culture. Communities have their culture. Church has their culture. Living water worship centers got a culture. If you fit in that culture, you're going to feel comfortable here. If you don't, you ain't going to feel comfortable here. And I understand that there. I ain't going to make nobody not feel comfortable in a culture that they're not raised up in. But all of that is intertwined and it embodies exactly who you are, how you think, what you think is looks good, what colors goes together. Tina and I have had the luxury to walk in all kinds of quarters' houses. I'm going to tell you, we'd walk in some and we'd look at the paint on the wall and say, my God, how in the world could anybody live in here? Amen. But they loved it. Red and purple and blue and green and yellow and orange and some off-the-wall colors in there. One, one room was painted 50 different colors. I tell you, I can't understand how people can live like that. For me, give me something other just plain and modern and out there. I like some bright colors every now and again. But Lord, don't put me in a room that's pink or yellow. I lived one night in a yellow house inside and it took me well, about two minutes when I woke up in the morning to call my cousin and say, come paint this house and paint it now. This canary yellow is driving me crazy. A lot of people love that canary yellow. But it affects everything that you are. What praise should look like affects Your culture affects it. What a dance looks like. Some people tell me I can dance. Some people tell me I can't dance. I don't think I can dance, so I'm going to take what I think at that point. But some people can really dance and hit a G. Amen. What a dance looks like, it affects you by your culture. How you talk, how you raise your voice, how you act, all of that is affected by the culture that incubates your ideology. It's not enough to get somebody saved And to get somebody washed in the blood of the Lamb... If you're going to overlook their culture and not try to deal with their culture, I'm going to say that again. It is not enough in your life to get somebody saved, to get you in here and get you washed by the blood of the Lamb if I'm not going to take the time to deal with the residue of your culture whenever that residue that you bring from that culture to this church is subversive to your destiny in your life. God puts me here to deal with some things that's in your culture that is right out, flat, nasty, and God can't can't deal with it, and I'm not just talking to one, all of us has got that nastiness that was put on the inside of us, are y'all with me here this morning, amen, Amen. there are some things that you bring into the church, and you bring into the new birth of Jesus Christ through you, you are, there's some things that you bring in from your culture into it that literally is so dangerous to you, because if you don't detach from that thing, it literally will kill you. You got to learn how to detach to it. So, you do want to bring in your rich cultures. You want to bring in your rich ideas. You want to bring in your rich concepts, and you want to bring that culture in with you. But you don't want to bring in that negative way of thinking. You don't want to bring in that negative ideology that entomb you and carry you to the grave and enshrine you into a negative context, though you have really been washed in the blood of the Lamb. That particular thing, if you do not deal with it, you will come into church. You will come in and you you start paying your tithe. You'll start reading the scripture. You'll start fellowshipping with everybody. When this praise service starts happening, you'll get up and you'll dance. You'll turn around seven times and you'll sow a seed and you'll leave the church and you'll say, Hey, I've been there. I shouted. I danced. I gave a seed. I got involved. I listened to the preacher. I danced and I turned around and I still ain't got a job. The question is, did you go back to school? The question is, did you market yourself? The question is, and listen, y'all, some of y'all need a job. You, you, Did you get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and be at the place when they opened up to get the job? Because if you show up after they open up, they ain't going to hire you. I used to hire. I was the personnel manager. And when you walked in after my 9.30 time that I had to get everything together, your application went straight to the trash can. I never looked at it. If you want a job, get out of the bed. Slap that beside and say, get out of the bed. You want to be successful in your life? Let me tell you something that the military teaches you. Make your bed when you get up. All your mamas are going to be turning around looking at your children and saying, I've been telling you that for years. Make up your bed. Because it makes you think that you have done something that morning when you got up. Amen? So if you didn't go to school, if you didn't market yourself, if you didn't go out there and dress for success, some of y'all, I'm going to tell you, I love you, I love you, and I don't want to say anything to offend you, but Lord have mercy, if you come looking for a job in my place, I sit there and I look at you and say, i hire you on one condition, you got to go get some clothes. Oh man, y'all ain't want to hear Preacher preach this morning, do you? You got to get a haircut. You got to trim up that beard some. You got to Get them nose hairs that's hanging down all over your face. You've got to get them where they look presentable. You see, culture affects everything. You might think that it's nice and it's pretty and it looks good and it's cool, but it ain't. And that's not just you. That's me. Some of y'all don't think that this looks good. That's fine. I know I look good. God knows I look good. Tina knows I look good. And I am going to be happy with myself whether you like me or not. But the truth of the matter is if you want to go forward in life there's some things you've got to do and you got to come out and stop being me every now and again. Amen. Are y'all with me? Amen. You've got to get some practical understanding so you can go through that metamorphosis, that rigid change, that real change that God has brought forth in your life and have a real experience with God. You've got to understand in order for you to be what God wants you to be, you've got to go through some detachment in your life. Some things has got to be detached from you. Amen? Some of y'all been hearing me for a long time and I got on hooked on something one time and about every service you heard me say it's time for you to have a funeral. Some of y'all need to have a funeral and grieve, throw it out there, turn around, jump up and down, have a time, go out to the funeral home, go out to the graveyard, just well, just as high as you can and bury that mist that's been bothering you all these many years, amen? So in order for you to go forward with the Lord, you have got to start detaching some things. Let me explain why I'm telling you that. Because how many women here today's had a baby? How many had that baby? And, and you know the only way you had that baby is you got that baby out of you, didn't you? Amen. There was a detachment that went on, wasn't it? What would happen if that baby would have never been born? Would that baby ever grown? Would you have ever lived? It would have killed you, wouldn't it? They take a baby, when the baby comes out of there's an umbilical cord on the baby, and they cut that umbilical cord. If they cut that umbilical cord too early, it causes the baby not to grow right, not to act right, not to look right, and not to think right. If they cut it too late, it can kill the baby. They got to cut that cord at the right time, at the precise time, exactly when that there placenta is about to quit pulsating, because if it sits there for just one or two beats while that placenta is there, your baby is going to have a lifelong problem for the rest of your life. So when you have experienced the new birth of the Lord, the Lord realizes and understands that you have got to be cut off and you're going through a process and you're coming out of what you, where you have been and you're going somewhere that you've never been and because of that, the process of it is hard to go through that. There. Amen? Amen Not growing is dangerous. And I'm telling you in this church, I'm watching some of y'all and y'all ain't growing. You ain't growing at all. It's dangerous for you not to grow. Getting stuck in a rut or in the context of a mentality is a dangerous thing in your life. We are supposed to ever be growing. We're supposed to ever be moving. We're supposed to be going through a metamorphosis on a daily basis. We're supposed to always be in transition. We're always supposed to be going through a change. We're always supposed to be getting stronger. We're always supposed to be getting more independent. We're supposed to always be able to come more stable. We're supposed to get, begin to be more mature, always learning something other thing. And when you get stuck in a rut and you will not come out of it, you ain't growing, and it's dangerous for you to keep sitting there. If you are still living week to week on your paychecks, and you've been working for 10 years, something's wrong, and you need to get it straight now. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Not growing is dangerous. But there is a challenge. Sometimes, when you enshrine yourselves in the cliques and in the groups, the criteria of that group means that you if you're gonna stay in that group, you got to stay right where you are. You see, I was raised on a farm. I'm a farm boy, but I'm not a farm boy. I'm a business owner now. I'm a pastor, but I was raised on the farm. I brought a lot of stuff off the farm and how I worked on the farm to be able to be successful in my life I don't want to go back to the farm But I was on the farm and the farm is a part of me And if I never take another shovel, if I never take another hoe, if I never slap another pig If I never go out and slop another pig Then I am a farm boy I'm still a farm boy, although I might look like that I'm a business executive Are y'all following me here this morning? I'm ever growing. I'm it's going on. People, if you stay in the same clique and you began to change, people will disassociate you. Now I got farmers looking at me saying, you ain't no farm boy. And I can sit there and tell them how tractor works and how plow works and how they supposed to grow this and how they supposed to grow that and how many soybeans the acres gonna bring. I can tell them all of that stuff and everything like that. But I let them preach to their own self, I'm a farm boy, I know who I am. They began to disassociate me. And here's what happens when you start coming out of the clique that you in, you will start hearing things from people like, You think you better than me. How many's heard that before? Amen. You think you better than me. You think you just just a whole lot better than I am. You think you're better than me. You think that you all that and all that there and everything. They want you to literally stay right where you are because they want to hold you in a certain context. And we have got the blood of Jesus Christ that will sanctify us and bring us out of that area. Amen you got a progressive God. The Bible says He is a God that is moving on a daily basis. He's always moving. He's a forward-thinking God. He's actually moving all the time. And everybody hollering this out and He's calling me. He's calling. Now, when somebody calls you and calling you for you to get up from where you are and go to where they're at. You cannot follow the call of God when He's called you in your life sitting in a rut in the same clique. Yes, you're an African-American. I thank God for that. But if God calls you to move from the African-American and go somewhere else, leave that culture so God can bless you and use you. Are you all following me this morning? Amen? So you don't call on somebody if you're not wanting them to come where they are, where you are. And when you hear that call, you've got to make a decision. Are you ready to move from where you are sitting at and everything is comfortable and go into a place where it's not comfortable? Look at somebody right beside me and say, God's calling you. Amen? Now, let me tell you something. It's a whole lot easier to move yourself physically than it is mentally. In other words, you will move yourself physically before you ever get your mind right where that position that you're in. We'll keep you there. It takes a whole lot of work to change your mind. It takes a whole lot of work to change your habits. It takes a whole lot of work to change your appetite. It takes a whole lot of work to evolve you to where you're going. The worst thing that can ever happen is you take a laborer mentality and you put him in a leadership position. When you do, he'll literally make a destroy and make and destroy that business in just a little bit because he's not an executive. He's got the position, but he don't have his mental capacity where it needs to be to operate in that position. Are you with me here today? So God has delivered the children of Israel out of slavery. They had been brought out of servitude and slavery, and he did it in a moment. They, they went up with the blood of the lamb, and they put it over the, the, the post of the, the door, and the death angel flowed over overnight, and God delivered them, and Pharaoh said, Get them away from here. Get them out of here. Leave. And they go out, and they're on the run, and they come up to the Red Sea. Pharaoh, up to that point at the Red Sea, had every right to get them back. Why? Because they were saved, yes, but they were not converted yet. They were saved, but they were not in the right position yet. They were saved, and the Red Sea experience was what was going to bring them through that point. So they were saved, but yet they were still slaves, and they were just runaway slaves. Some of you under the sound of my voice this morning, you are a runaway slave. You're not saved yet. You're fed up with the of your life you don't like the way your life has been going you want to run from the condition but you ain't never really had a conversion you're running from the condition but you don't have that conversion and God is wanting to bring you out and every time that you are a runaway slave the slave master that owns you will run after you are y'all following me now it's very important you hear this because I'm fixing to preach it the slave master will chase what he still owns Although you gave your heart to the Lord, He still owns your body. Although you gave your heart to the Lord, He still knows what you think. And because He knows that, He still got ownership on you and He will chase you. How many have been fighting the devil this week? Show or throw your hands up. Let me see. It's because your mentality is not where it's supposed to be and He still owns you. In a moment, God has literally delivered them and He washed him in the blood. He put the blood on the doorpost. The, the death angel came by. They literally escaped from the death angel and they passed from death to life. And they had started the process of regeneration. And we got to understand that we walk and we got to walk and we got to develop in where we're going and what God wants to do because God is wanting to transform our mind. The first thing that God says you must do is be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The the greatest compliment that anybody out in the world could ever tell you is that you're brainwashed. That's the greatest compliment you'll ever hear in your life. Because God said, what I want to do when I get you into my house and you give your heart to me, I want to completely change your mind. Listen to me very carefully. God never asked you to learn nothing. He wanted you to unlearn everything you did learn till you come to Him. And when you unlearn everything you got, that's when God can deal with you. Amen. Just because you knew how to play the piano before you came and you gave your heart to the Lord does not mean that you can play that piano for God and it be anointed. Are you following me? Everything must be unlearned and it's got to be submitted unto God. So here they are now. They had came through the Red Sea. Pharaoh's now drowned and the debt has been canceled and they're walking in a new life. There are new people in a new position, in a new location. They got new opportunities, they got new possibility, but they still got the old attitude that they had back in Egypt. If I look at me, that's you in a heart shell. You've been delivered. You've been brought out. You got a new opportunity to be all that you got. God wants you to be. God can use you, can bring you and use you in any way, but we got the same old mentality, and we've been told, and we've been told a certain way, and that's what's holding us back here in this church. And God said, I can't go forward with living water until I teach them that the mentality that they got is not the mentality that I need right now. Anybody with me today? Amen. Amen. So they got the old same attitude. And I want to ask you a question. How could they not? For 400 years, they had watched the Egyptians bow down before a calf. For 400 years, they were living with the Egyptians. Their whole life had been affected by the Egyptians. Their attitude was an Egyptian attitude. They had quit eating their own food and started eating the Egyptian cuisine. In fact, they had a craving for the Egyptian cuisine. They were so hooked on Egypt that they crave the spices over in Egypt. Let me tell you something. You can be out of something and still crave some stuff. They didn't hear me. I said, you can be out of something and still have cravings for stuff that you don't need to have. They didn't hear me either. I said, you can be out of stuff and still have the cravings that you had back yonder. I am a recovering alcoholic and until I got victory over it, I could be sitting in the pizza hut and I was doing everything I could not to drink and as they brought a pitcher of beer to somebody else on the table and I watched somebody else drink that beer, I could taste it while they were tasting it. I wanted to share with you, you can be saved, delivered and in a new position but still have the same cravings that you had before. So that's what God wants me to talk about tonight. There is craving still in the church. Is there anybody here that craves some stuff that you know you ain't supposed to be craving? There's times I want to jump off this pulpit and run out there and just slap you upside the head. There's some times I want to come in here with a whip and just go and whip that bull in you. Yeah, I'm out. But I'm still having the cravings. And every now and again, my mind goes back to where I used to be. And I began to think about all the leeks and all the onions and all of the spices of the world that I was in before. And it gets my mind there. And I've got to learn how to deal with that. And I want you to understand, God understands that change is a process. Now, the church don't understand it. People don't understand it. The media don't understand it. The world don't understand it. But God understands that change is a process. And it takes time for you to change. That's why he said, be ye not conformed to this world, but be you re- uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you'll be able to find out what it is to improve, what is the will of God, and that you will find the perfect will of God. God said he knows it's going to take you some time to change how you were taught. Am I talking to anybody this morning? It's a process. You're still learning. Every day you should still be learning. You should still be growing. You should still be changing. You should still literally be going from faith to faith to glory to glory. I want everybody to know I'm not finished yet. And you're not finished yet. God knows you're not finished yet. Amen. And God knows that it's going to take some time to straighten you out. Amen. And I want to tell you here, I want to show you something. Another, I can tell where you are by one thing and how you handle it in your life exactly where you are. I'm about fixing to get your business. Look at somebody say, so he's sitting at your dinette right now. <laughs> Let me tell you what I can look at in your life and I can determine very quickly exactly where you are how you handle your money if you're still living week to week and you ain't got no money and something was to happen you had a flat tire and you didn't have the money to take care of that flat tire something wrong if you ain't where God wants you to be at then you literally throw away your money some of y'all got your W W-2 this year because you got a raise and you looked at it and said, you liar, You did. I didn't make that much money. <laughs> you got a raise, but you didn't have the mentality to think about operating in the new position that you were in and you got that money and instead of using it wisely, you got less in the bank than you had when you got the raise and you're literally in a worse condition than you were before you ever got the raise. Am I talking to anybody here this morning? Brother Glenn, that needs to be preached in every church, amen? amen. One way I can determine if uh, how your development is going is how you handle money. Why? Because these people had been slaves. They didn't have to think for themselves. They didn't have to go get water for themselves. They didn't have to get food for themselves. They got up at a certain time. They ate at a certain time. They worked at a certain time in a certain place. They went to bed. They took a bath at a certain time. They got up night And somebody done their thinking for themselves. They had an agenda and a schedule, that they go in. That's why this morning I said babysitting's fun. I shouldn't have to tell a baby. I'm telling you what, when I told him one thing after he learned the fact, he knew daddy was serious and he made his mind up very quick. He better shut up or straighten up or he was going to get torn up. Are you following me now? So, so here we are. These people have been slaves. They had no power. They didn't have to make any decisions. I want you to know it's easy to be a slave. In fact, you're still a slave. Not a slave to the enemy. The Bible says, as you have submitted your members to unrighteousness, now submit your members to righteousness. In other words, the only thing you're supposed to fulfill in life, your position in life, is to be a slave. You're either going to be a slave to the devil, or you're going to be a slave to God. That's the only position that you've got, all right? So it's easy to be a slave. Liberty is frightening. To somebody that's never been free, when you let them free, it's frightening. How many's ever sent a child to college? I did. It's frightening. You let your kids go to college, see how frightening it is. They got to learn how to get up every morning on the right time. They got to be able to feed themselves. They got to be able to take care of themselves. They got to learn how to wash their clothes instead of coming all the way back from Pembroke, North Carolina, with a bunch of dirty clothes and throw them off to mama, Trevor. You were supposed to learn how to wash your own clothes. You got me now. The reality is liberty is horrifying. You got to learn how to monitor yourself. You got to be able to keep yourself right. That's why you can't give some people liberty because they don't know how to handle themselves. You give them liberty and they'll overdeed You give them liberty, they're going to stay drunk all the time. You give them liberty, they're going to have five babies. You give them liberty, they're going to destroy their whole life because they ain't ready for liberty yet. Boy, I'm preaching a whole lot better than y'all talking to me. I ain't start preaching yet. I'm still talking in my introduction. Liberty is horrifying. It's extremely horrifying. When you let your kids go to college, they've got to get to the point to where they can monitor themselves. And that's where the children of Israel are at right now. they got to learn how to monitor themselves. That's what the children of Israel are going through. The umbilical cord has now been cut. And now God is saying, okay, I want to see how you're going to live when you're free. They came out of Egypt with the riches of Egypt in their life. There was so much wealth. The Bible says that the children were carrying it like this right here. What that speaks to me is, is when God brings you out of the mess you in, he wants to not only bless you, he wants to give you a generational blessing to where you and your children and your children's children and your children's children's children will be blessed. God wants to bless you, and you got it. But if you ain't got the mentality right, you will give your money away to some stupid errand out there, and he'll throw your money into the fire, and you'll get a big old bull right there sitting there taking all your time. Y'all following me now, amen? They had the riches of Egypt. That tells me just like it did over in Proverbs chapter number 13, that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the, the for the just. He goes on and said, the last are going to be first and the first are going to be last. There is a switch coming into the house of Almighty God where the wealth of the wicked is coming back. But the minute it happens and the only time it can happen is when we get our mentality right to handle it. We need to get ourselves straight so when God does bless us, we don't spend it on expendable things. Am I talking Anybody, amen. They carried the wealth on their backs. They had a generational increase. They were set for life. And in just a few minutes, they threw every bit of it away. Some of y'all get your check on Friday at five o'clock, and by six o'clock, you broke it the skunk. Smile at me on this side. Smile at me on this side. Y'all know I'm talking to y'all. You get your check on the third of the month, and by the fourth, you are a broken Help us, Lord. We got the riches, a generational blessing, and an Aaron is standing there, and he's throwing out and telling you, give me your money, give me your money, give me your money. I can't believe it. there was a fella in the church one time. He was 43 years old, living with his mama, didn't have a driver's license, didn't have a car, and he didn't have a job. And he, fin- he went, went to prison, and he come back, and he got there, he got him a job, and the first thing that he said that he was going to get when he got his first paycheck was a phone. <laughs> a phone. Didn't have no bank account, didn't have no car, didn't have no house, didn't have no woman, didn't have no children, didn't have had nothing. Didn't have anything in life. But the first thing that he wanted to get when he got his money was a phone. Boy, you can look at their way of spending their money and determine how developed they are. Amen. Amen. How many got people in your family like that? And they want you to prop them up all the time. And every time you pull money out, oh my God, I'm going somewhere, Lord, didn't want. Every time you pull money out and you give it to them, you are propping them up to stay right where they are in that clique and you are killing them. Amen. If you love them, you'd stop it. If you love them, you would let them get in want like the prodigal son's daddy did when he got out there and he gave him all the wealth in a little while he threw every bit of it away and the Bible said he began to be in want. He had never felt it, never experienced it before and here he is in want. Some of your children need to get in want for them to grow up. Some of y'all got 40, 50 year old people, kids in your family and they still little babies. I'm telling you, Joe over here has got more maturity than most of them. And it's your fault. It ain't their fault. It's your fault. You shouldn't have never handed it all out. Lord, don't help me, Jesus. Oh, let me get away from that. Amen. Everybody out and say there's a switch coming, though. What God is about to do is he's going to change some stuff. He's about to change some mentalities of people. We are in a new place. We're in a new position. We are literally out there going and we are doing things in our life. We've got to learn how to live free. And God is wanting to teach us how to live free. What does the word free mean? Free means you're no longer confined. You're no longer under the control of a power of another. You're free to go over and do what you want. You're no longer in prison. You're no longer held by a habit that is taking all your money. Look at me over here, especially y'all some in the back, cause y'all got them happy. She's sucking it up your nose, and you're drinking it down your throat. And every time you get a paycheck, you're running to the ABC store and the convenience store, or you run into your connection. God is talking to you today. He's telling you you either gonna straighten up, or I'm gonna preach your funeral. Amen. Do you hear me? So God is speaking to us today and He's saying, I am getting you in a transition and I'm going to bring you in a transition. Now, a transition is when you are moving one location going to another. And the question comes up, Robbie, how do you function in the position that you are in right now when you don't have the mindset to function in that system? Yeah. Philippians 3 and 13 says, you forget those things that are behind you and you press forward to the things that are laying before you. You quit worrying about what already happened. You can't change that woman's mind. You can't change that man's mind. You definitely can't change their will. Let them live with their stupid decision, and you go ahead because you deserve better than that mess that you come out of. Oh, Lord, let me preach just a little bit this morning. How do I transition to a new position? How do you get into the position and have the mentality to deal in the position? 400 years of servitude and Egyptian influence and they had a date with Jehovah God himself and they couldn't even imagine who he was. And when he showed up, he come around the mountain and the mountain began to triple. And when he showed up, the sky began to shoot down lightning flashes and the smoke came up off of the mountain and the whole land was just going like this. Thunder was going on. They didn't even know who he was. And when they got there, when they run face to face in the power of Almighty God, they realized, hey, I ain't ready for this. Yeah. Oh, I'm talking to all y'all today. I ain't ready for this. Moses, you can go talk to him. Come back, tell me what he said, and I'll follow what you say he says. But God showed up, Thelma, because he wants to talk to you. He wants you to transition to him. Smile at me this morning. Some of y'all bothered me. In Exodus chapter number 32, the Bible says that Moses was up on top of the mountain. In the presence of God. For 40 days he didn't eat. For 40 days he didn't drink. And God sustained him. And at the same time the congregation was down in the valley. And they were giving all their money that they brought out of Egypt to Aaron. And he was melting it down and he was building a big old chaff. And here comes Moses down off of the mountain. And I'm about ready to preach. He come down off of the mountain and he looked at Aaron and he said, Aaron. My words, where did this cow come from? You know we Hebrews. We ain't never worshiped a calf. Where in the world did this cow come from? Why is it that there's a cow here? What type of sin have you brought on to my people? Where is this cow? Everybody look at somebody and say, where's your cow at? Why is this cow still here? Why is this cow still in living water? Why is it that there's a whole bunch of sacred cows here in living water? Why is it that you are sitting around, running around that cow with your clothes off, disposed to everybody in the world, and you are dancing out there craving the stuff back there because you don't know the God that you're worshiping. You don't know the God that has saved you. If you knew who he was, he don't look like a cow. He don't act like a cow. He's not stationary. He moves. He's always moving. That cow couldn't answer them. That cow couldn't move for them. That cow couldn't do nothing for them. They literally were sitting there building an idol to the God that brought them out because they thought their God looked like a cow. This ain't the tradition of the Hebrews. This ain't why the Hebrews, they ain't never worshiped cows before. Let me tell you why they built a cow. Because Egypt worshipped a calf. His name was Baal. And when people get loosed, they start building idols to the mentality that they have based on the culture that they come out of. You can give them Christ if you want to, but if you don't deal with that mentality and the culture that they come out of, they're going to build the very same ghetto in the very new location that they came out of. You can bring them out the ghetto if you want to, but they'll build another ghetto if you don't change the mind. Are y'all talking with me here today? Set them free and they'll still take the wealth of the world that God gives to them and they'll give it away and spend it on expendable goods and they'll literally spend it on perishable items. You know, women, look at me, women, you know your family can't afford $200 of a Walmart visit but you will show up in Walmart to go get one can of corn and walk out and be spent $200. I'm telling you, you ain't developed yet. God is trying to get your mind straight. Women be shopping. <laughs> it's all right. You go shopping if you can afford it. Amen. amen. So how is it that you function in the position that you're in now? You've got to learn how to forget those things. The Bible says, let me explain something to you. Some of y'all single here. They say so y'all need to really hear this. Men, listen to me real good. How many men I got here today say Amen. Boy, y'all can talk a whole lot louder. I said, how many men, not boys, not little fellas over there, I want to know how many men we got in this house here today. Somebody say amen. amen. The Bible says, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. Did not say, he that finds a woman finds a good thing. So if you find a woman, you got a problem. Because so when you got a woman, she still thinks she's single. She's going to run around with the girls. I just got to be me. Oh, I just heard that there. I just got to be me. Well, if you're going to be me, then you don't need to get married. how so the Bible says when you say I do, men, listen to me. When you say I do, you do exactly what Jesus done for the church. You die. Everything you was up to that point is gone. You have a, you know, It's it. You're a brand new creature, and you better listen to your wife from there on out. Your family dies. You become engrafted in her family. Oh, my God. Oh God. Amen. <laughs> I'm letting that sink in. Just because she's a woman does not make her a wife. And some of y'all have got to have you a man. And that's the reason why you in the mess you're in. Because you had to have that man. You didn't want a husband. You wanted a man. And when God sent the husband, oh, he ain't pretty enough, and he don't work hard enough, and he ain't so flashy, but that one over yonder, he ain't got a house, he ain't got a car, he ain't got a bank account, he ain't got a job, he's living with his mama, and when he gets his paycheck, he's going to run go get a phone. And that's the one I want. I want. Boy, this needs to be preached everywhere, don't it? Amen. I got the wealth of the master, and here we are spending it out on other goods. Just because, Lord have mercy, Lord help me. Let me just say this, I'm hush. Change don't come easy. Takes a long time to get in. Change don't come easy. Church don't tell you that. Glenn, you've been in church a long time. Vicky you've been in church a long time. Betty, you've been in church a long time. Let me tell you how the church handles change. Well, Sister Betty's having a problem. Come on up here, Sister Betty. We're going to pray for you. (laughs) Now, you just pray to the Lord. Don't worry that way everything's supposed to be lovely you ain't supposed to have no more cravings for the leeks. you ain't supposed to have no more cravings for the spices of the world you ain't supposed to have no more cravings for the onion you ain't supposed to have no more golden calves and if you do you got to go into denial because when they find out that you got them then you're the worst Christian there is in the world and you're a hypocrite and you can't teach you can't preach, you can't minister you can't be a prayer warrior, you can't be praying in altar. you got to sit there and I'm going to disassociate you and you know why I'm preaching the truth let me tell you what's the problem the church can't handle the truth Pastor Moses is gone for 40 days and he starts coming down and they're building a golden calf. That's where we get these sayings. Holy cow. Sacred cow. Holy smoke. Comes from this one verse. that, That saying we got, don't have a cow. Comes from this verse. He's as strong as a bull. Comes from this verse. The little slang out there, she's a cow. Comes from this verse. I'm going to help somebody today, amen? Amen. Anybody ever heard the saying, we're going to go milk the bull? Comes from this verse. Oh, that's a cash cow. Comes from this verse. Or the bull at the gate. Comes from this verse. Or he's so bullheaded that I can't deal with him. Comes from this verse. Take the bull by the horns. Comes from this verse. All of them slangs them. Look at your neighbor right beside him and say, where's your sacred cows at? What is it that you are building as an idol? What is it that you're giving your attention to? That you're giving your time to? That you're giving your finances to? You're giving your support to? You're giving anything to? What is it? Them bulls won't never answer you. Them boys won't never support you. Them boys won't never come get you out of the mess you in. Them boys won't never deliver you. They won't never change you. As a slave, put, you take your money and you're going out and you're putting your stuff, your money in stuff that's perishable when God is wanting you to use your money to bless you and your family and leave something for your family. All you dope addicts, look at me a minute. Every time you suck it up your brain, you're killing your child, whether you got one or not. If you love yourself, why don't you just go ahead and climb up here on top of the steeple on this church and dive off without a net kill yourself then? Smile at me this morning. I mean, I'm going to preach the way God told me to preach it. If you are literally going to waste all of your money on stuff that is going to kill you, just go ahead and do it. How many of you love yourself this morning on this side? How many of you love yourself this morning? Well, then why are you doing some of the stupid stuff that you're doing? If you really love, I don't think you do. I believe if you love yourself, you'd leave that beer alone. I believe if you love yourself, you'd leave that crack alone. I believe if you use that to love yourself, you could leave that heroin alone. I believe if you love yourself, you would straighten up and you'd straighten up today. Ain't the preacher preaching the truth this morning, amen? So you got the wealth of the... The world. You looked at your W-2 when it come in, you said, Boy, you sure tell her a lie, because I sure ain't got no money. I got up and I went and I worked every day. I worked overtime and I ain't got the, I didn't make this much money. Yeah. You got that wife, but she's still living single. You got that husband, but he's still living single. Some of you got married and you said I'm gonna be who I am, where I want to be and who I am. He ain't gonna make me do this and all this stuff. You should have never got married in the first place. So let a preacher preach just a minute. Amen. Amen. Smile at that right beside him and say, cut the cord. Cut Find another and say, kill that, kill that bull. There's nothing in the world more dangerous to you than lying to yourself. The more you lie to yourself, the worse it's going to be. In the presence of Jehovah Jireh, in the presence of Elohim, in the presence of Adonai, in the presence of El Shaddai, in the presence of Jehovah Rapha, your healer, in the presence of Jehovah, the God of all gods, you're building an idol right in his presence, and God said, listen to me, that idol cannot live any longer, because if you're going to be in my presence, I'm going to destroy it. Everybody say, don't have a cow." Find your neighbors. I said, don't have a cow. But you're right in the presence of the Lord this morning. You're right in the presence of the Lord this morning. You're right in the presence of the Lord this morning. And I call you four times to get you into the house of God. Amen. 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 But I'm a Christian and I'm living all right. No, you've got an idol right in front of God and God is telling you, I'm about to destroy that idol in you. It's better for you to bring the bull to me so you can kill the bull in my presence than me to kill the bull for you. Amen. Amen. Is the preacher preaching this morning? Amen. Great. So here we are now, got to be babies, so somebody got to holler at you, stop worship sir they get you off of your lazy stuff that come into the house of God, to praise the God that brought you out of Egyptian slavery, and you sit there like everything's all right. Yeah. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, he does love you whether you like it or not. You say, that's what your mama should have told you. That's what your daddy should have told you. If your daddy's out there with you doing it, then you need to whip your daddy and put him into the church. It needs to be preached. You're a slave putting your money in things that's perishable. And you're having a cow right in the presence of the Lord. I know people in the church right now, they are spiritual. Spiritual. They can lay their hands on you and cancer come out of your body immediately, but they can't even cook breakfast. Amen. Amen. I see people running around and shouting and falling out in the praises of the Lord. Let me share you something other like in 30 years of being a church planner. Let me tell you something I found out, and I found out real quick. Anointed people are people are crazy. <laughs> Flat right out crazy. You let the preacher step in and change one thing and everybody got a problem. But they're anointed. Oh, help me, Lord Jesus. Boy, I'm preaching this morning. Some of y'all ain't liking what I got to say. But it's the truth, amen? Them boys is never going to answer you. There's a whole lot of people that can do a whole lot of spiritual stuff, but they can't even balance their own checkbook. They can't operate on a budget. You know what, Brother Glenn? I wish happened. How many has ever seen these commercials? I was watching one the other day. It was about restless leg syndrome. I don't know what that is. I guess when you lay down in the bed, you, your legs go to dancing or something. I don't know. They had a pill that's supposed to take care of the restless leg syndrome. And I said, well, if I had that... You know, that would be helpful. I'd lay down, and I wouldn't have dancing legs. It wouldn't be hurting me so bad. And then they started reading all the side effects. And you know how they read on it. So I took it, and I slowed it down, and I listened to everything they said. Lord, have mercy. Said your teeth might fall out, your gums might fall out. Don't don't be troubled. Don't worry about it if you start losing hair and everything, and, and, and don't worry about it if you start having anal seepage and all this other stuff. Like, don't worry about all that. There, we're gonna take care of your dancing legs, but we're gonna give you this pill, and it's gonna cause all these other problems. And I said, well, I think I'd rather just have the dancing legs. Amen. I wish that when people come into the church that they had that warning label on the top of them that said, yeah, I'm anointed, I can sing, and boy, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to make your choir just sound the best it's ever sounded in the world. I'm going to be able to come in, and I'm going to fill the church up, and I want you to know right now, I'm crazy. I'm going to sleep around. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to talk about the preacher. I'm going to tear him up from top to bottom, and I'm going to go out there, and i got children, and I want you to know I'm crazy, and my children's crazy, and they're going to the children's church. I wish to God that God had a label like that on every one of us. Smile at me because you know I'm telling the truth. Amen. Everything has side effects. Say that with me. Everything has side effects. Say this with me. Everything takes up an offering. It ain't just the church that takes up an offering. If you got a woman, she'll take up an offering. You got a man, he's going to take up an offering. You got a car, it's going to take up an offering. You got a dog, it's going to take up an offering. You got a goldfish, you're going to be out at 12 o'clock in the morning buying fish food. You're going to give an offering to everything. Are y'all getting some help here this morning, amen? Everybody should come with a label, a warning label. Why? Because people never show you their cow. You up there in the presence of the Lord. Oh, Lord, this is wonderful up here. And you come down you feel the glory of God. Lightning is flashing off of you and everything. And you come down the mountain and you run right into their cow. And their cow will just scare the daylights out of you. Just like it did with Moses. It made Moses so mad, he took the Ten Commandments and he threw them down and he broke them. What he was telling you is, you will break the Ten Commandments before they're ever given to you. He got angry and had every right to get angry because everybody got a sacred cow looking down right beside of you. Say, where's your sacred cow? Sacred cow. Some of y'all got some Edie and some of y'all got some great some of y'all got some raging bulls. And I'm not a cow fighter. What do they call them? A bullfighter? I'm not a bullfighter. I'm a bull slayer. And i have come here to kill that bull. And I'm gonna kill that bull. And I hope that you'll be the one to kill that bull. Uh, you see, I, that's why Sister Betty, I can't go to a dead church. I can't go to a church that don't give me the opportunity to kill my bull because I got some bulls in my life right on. Amen. And I got to come into the church and I'm dragging my bull with me when I come to the church. And I got to kill that bull because I found out something in my life. I can't kill my bull myself. I got to get in the presence of God with his anointing on me so I can kill the bull. There's some things in my life I cannot quit. There's some things in my life I myself personally cannot overcome. I have got to have the anointing of God in my life to have the power to overcome it. I had to have him in my life to overcome what drugs and alcohol done to me. And I know that God can do it, but i got to be in his presence when I drag the bull in. Look at somebody say, drag your bull in here. I ain't scared of your bull. I'm ready to see your bull because God is ready for you to kill your bull. Somebody shout out amen. People never show you their sacred cow. You come down that mountain and there you run into it. Now, all of that I have spoke so I can preach. Everybody in here has a bull. Some of them are great big old brahma bulls. Some of them are little calves. Some of them, they'll gore the life out of you in a heartbeat. And some of them, you don't even recognize as the bull. But look at somebody right beside side and say, kill that bull. The whole church was jumping around that bull. They were confused. And the pastor that was gone had left the associate pastor in charge. And this is one thing that's dangerous in the church too. You leave somebody in charge, you go on vacation, and you come back. If you leave the wrong one in charge... The church is confused, and they're out there, and they build another bull, and they're having them all kinds of tribes and all kinds of problems. Amen. Y'all with me here? Amen. And Moses comes down, and he sees the bull. And he walks over to Aaron, and he says, Aaron, where's this bull come from? He said, well, I don't know. He said, they gave me their money, and I threw it in the fire, and this is what come out. <laughs> Lying, like he ever, look at me on this side. Where would you spend your money at yesterday? Can you tell me every place you spent your money? Well, why is it you ain't got nothing? Don't you know when you ain't got it, you don't spend it? Some of y'all got credit cards, they're maxed to the T. Getting hidden in late fees. get the W2 for me, so I'm going to get me a great big old stimulus check, and I'm going to get me a great big refund, and I'm going to go buy this, and I'm going to go buy that, and I'm going to go buy this, and within two days, two weeks, you're is as a skunk again. <laughs> the money was sent to you to pay your mortgage payment, yep. so you'd have a place to stay. Yep. Let God Send a stimulus check to a boy that's living 50 years old with his mama, ain't got no checking account, ain't got no car, ain't got no job, ain't got nothing, and instead of him going to rent a house or go get a car, he wants to buy a phone. Do you see how far this church has got away from the mentality that it's going to take to straighten up your life and to get God in your life? Amen. Are you with me today? Now, I'm going to tell you, there ain't a whole lot of preachers that will stand before you and preach the way I preached to you here this morning. I do it because I love you. Your money is always the thing that I can look at and follow your mentality. Because if you're begging me every week for money, something bad wrong in your life. If you ain't never got enough of money to buy gas to get back to work, then you're doing something with your money. Where's your money going? How many, Anybody ask me where your money's going? The cow got it. You're laying in the bed and the cow's out there bellowing. That cow got it. But yet, we're willing to give an offering to everything else. But when it comes to giving an offering to God, on Sunday morning at ten thirty, regardless if dinner's going to be served or not, you don't need to be called twenty times to be sitting in the pew when the church starts. Amen. Amen. I finally got somebody to clap their hands. Why is it your preacher had to stand before you this morning and send people back to get you to get you here? What's wrong with you? You're a runaway slave. You ain't saved. You want to be saved. But you ain't saved. And the devil still owns you. You're scared to death to set up under an anointed man preach the word of God because God can make you make a change. Can I preach this morning? You'd rather be out of the sight of man and away from God and be able to say, I come to church. By sitting out there on that pew, let me tell you what's happening today to that little chair out there. Brother Robbie's going to get it when we finish up and he's carrying it back on in the back and he's going to put it in that place and when we tear down that place and build it up, we're going to set fire to it because no one's butt is going to sit back there in that sofa again. God is fed up with this mess. God is fed up with your attitude. God is fed up with the blessing that you got being given to another cow. How much longer are you going to be dancing around a cow when the glory of God is all around you? In the presence of God himself, we are having a cow. And you are never meant to have a cow. You're supposed to have a baby, not a cow. Amen. (laughs) So I'm asking you this morning, God wants to know, are you going to cut the cord? Amen. Amen. Are you going to kill the bull? Amen. Are you going to detach yourself from stuff? Amen. Amen, amen. You can detach yourself from the bed on Monday morning at five o'clock right. because somebody's gonna pay you a paycheck. But you can't detach yourself from the bed on Sunday morning at nine o'clock so you can get to the church at ten thirty. Right. Amen. amen. And you want somebody to pass you on the back because you showed up an hour and a half late. It ain't about being late, church. That ain't what it's about. I can handle that. That ain't what it's about. It's about your attitude to the God that saved you. And the longer you are building an idol to God, God is calling you to bring the bull to the altar. And if you don't bring the bull to the altar, eventually God will take the bull out of your life. Is the Preacher preaching pretty good. Amen somebody say that bull. Kill, that bull. Kill, that bull. kill that bull kill your bull what God is doing this morning is he's teaching us how to walk in liberty he said this bull was a sin offering the reason why he told you you had to bring that bull is because the children of Israel built a bull in honor to him thinking that's what God looks like their mentality was wrong. And they built a bull to the God that brought them out of Egypt. And God said, for me to be able to deal with your culture, you got to bring the bull. Now, I know what it's like. Can I talk to Sister Thelma just a minute this morning? Just a private conversation between me and her, y'all can here. I know what it's like for the white people to look at me and say, you go into a black church. I know what that's like. And they try to make you feel ostracized mm-hmm. because you're going to a black church mm-hmm. when you're supposed to be white. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to an Indian here this minute. When, when they look, What you going to that white man's church for? You know, you should be over here with your peoples. You've heard that before, haven't you? But see, I found out and I realized and I got a quick knowledge in my ministry to understand that most of you white people, y'all don't know how to praise the Lord. Amen. You don't know how to praise the Lord. I can't even teach you how to praise the Lord. I wish to God I could. Them black people, boy, let me tell you what. When they give power with the Lord, they pray the Lord. Amen. Amen. Betty will tell you the best message she ever heard me preach was in a black man's church. Amen. I'm telling the truth. Let me tell you why. I called day God and prepared for me to take the pulpit. Now, when I took the pulpit, of God hit, and next thing I know brothers was being held up to God in other brothers' arms, and the power of God was falling, people was falling all over the place because they saturated the ground for the word of God to come forward, because they know how to worship the God that they have been called their God and brought them out of the Egypt that they lived in. I want you to know in this church right now we are going to learn how to function in the position that God has us in, and he's going to do that by annihilating and slaughtering and killing the bull in your life and cutting the cord that has still got you hooked up to what you used to be. You are not a dope addict. You are a free man by the blood of Jesus Christ and it's time you started acting like it. Amen? You are not broke. God has given you the wealth of the wicked and you got the power of Almighty God and it's time for you... like you a millionaire. How many of you has got a job or has had a job in your life? Throw up your hand. Let me see. Anybody's got it? The minute you got that job, you became a millionaire, and you need to quit grumbling about you having to get up at 5 o'clock to go to work. That man hired you to take care of a problem, and the minute he put your name on the payroll, he made you a millionaire, because the many hours and days and years that you work in your life, you will make over a million dollars, and that job made you a millionaire a millionaire, and you'll get the position of the man that gave you the job. Amen. Yeah, that's right. I'm a hush, but God has told me to come tell you today. Kill the bull. Amen. Where's your sacred cow at? How much longer has somebody got to talk to you like a baby? Amen. You' grown. You know what's right, mm-hmm. and I can already hear somebody say, "I can't believe that preacher done what he done there this morning." I wish it had been online when I did it. I wish it had a because I'm gonna tell you something. Else. Here's your duty when you show up at this house. From here on out, you hear your daddy talk for a few minutes, not me, God. Pull up in your car, get out your car, walk in the sanctuary, go to the altar, ask God to be with you through the service, sit down on a pew, and get ready to worship God. That food back there will be there until it literally is ate. It don't have to be warmed at 11 o'clock. And it ain't got to be warmed at 12 o'clock. It can be warmed at 2 o'clock. We got plenty of time. We come to worship the Lord. Somebody say, cut the cord. cord. Look at somebody and say, you got to kill that bull. bull. Now I want to ask you before I close, what is your bull? What is your bull? Trevor, come play me something real quick. What is your bull? For some of you little kids, it's because you think you've grown already. And you ain't grown. Want me to tell you what? I was in the store the other day telling me, and God better thank God he was with me. <laughs> My sister, there was a child cussing her mama out. Oh, An eight-year-old girl about it. Cussing her mama out. And I ain't talking about just that things is bad. I'm talking about calling her an emin' Ethan and Ethan F and F and this and that. Oh, man. An eight-year-old child. And when the mama saw me, she smiled. She's like that all the time. I'd be preaching that child should <laughs> Bull. I'm going to tell you where the bull's at in living water it's a spirit of rebellion Flat right out rebellion sat here this morning and you heard every word I said. I want you to look at me. Everybody let your head up. You heard every word I said. And you'll go home this afternoon and you'll turn a can of beer up your head. Just as soon as you've got enough money to buy it, that's where you'll be. And you've heard every God has said to you this morning, because you ain't scared of God. Oh, that's just Kip up there raising his his voice. Acting stupid. Have you ever thought about the reason why Kip acts so stupid? Is because y'all make him stupid, church. I preach the way I preach because I love you and I see where you go and you're on the wrong path and you got to turn around. If you don't soon turn around, some of these things that you're going through, let me add this too. When you talk to the preacher, you can tell the preacher how good you are. And you can act like you're living right. You can act like that you got everything together, but the preacher knows. The preacher knows exactly what you're going through. I look at your money and tell exactly what you're going through. I can look at your money and tell you that you got a problem with some type of pill, or you got a problem with some type of stimulant on the outside of you. Let me add this to you. 100 percent of the time when money ain't right, it's because you got an outside stimulant that you're funding. Ain't got to be a drug. It can be a woman. It can be a man. It can be your child. It can be your sports car that you can't afford. And you got ten tickets, but yet you want to look good while you're driving around and you're paying way up yonder in insurance. So you can look good too late. When are you gonna kill the cow? When? because this man can't kill it for you. This man will never be able to kill it for you. You're the only one that can kill it for you. Never head is bowed, never eyes closed. God said for me to tell you today, he wants to see your bull. He wants to see your bull. Will you show him your bull you? I'm not going to beg you to disorder I'm not going to beg you to bring the, the bull I'm not going to beg you to bring your habit I'm not going to beg you to bring your idol I'm just going to tell you today God said you got to bring the bull and you got to suffer come out of the culture that you've been in and meet me at the cross. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Father, in Jesus' name, penetrate the hearts of your people at this moment. Amen. If God talked to you today, I need to see your hand raised up to God. God needs to see your hand raised us. I see those hands. I see those hands. Surely, God's talked to more than that. It's time for you to kill the bull. I'm going to do something a little different. If you've raised your hand and you need to bring God some type of bull, I want you to stand to your feet where you're at right now. Stand to your feet right now. Nobody's looking around. If you are needing to bring a bull to the Lord and you need to kill it, I want you to stand for your feet right now. Nobody's looking. There's more. There's many of you. You need to kill that bull. Every saint of God that I have under sound of my voice, since you're so righteous, I want you to pray for these that's coming and bringing the bull. Because God's going to give them the power. Today is the day. That they're gonna be delivered from their mentality. Pray with me right now for these folks as stood. Don't be looking, pray with me. Father, in your word, you gave us provision to deliver us from the culture that we were raised up in in our life. That provision was that we were to bring the bull to you in your presence. And in your presence, Lord, you would give us the strength and the power to kill the bull. Father, today these people have openly said they have a bull. They know what that bull is. They're confessing that to you in their heart right now. God, now I pray that you'll give them the strength, you'll give them the power, the desire, the perseverance to kill that bull right now. Father, that they will begin to bring the blood of the bull to the altar. And God, they'll go out of their culture, outside the camp, at the very place that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gave his life for us. And we'll present ourselves to him at the cross. Father, I thank you that these folks today in the spiritual are going to see things change. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to deliver them. In Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. Everyone stand with you to your feet this morning, if you will, real quick. It is a shame that God has preached the way he has. And hard hearts will not respond to God. So let me prophesy to you. And I don't want to. get ready because your next week's is not going to be good. Until you hear God, God's chose you and until you hear Him, He's going to get your attention. Do you hear me, church? You can be stubborn. You can continually walk in this rebellion if you want to. God has drawn the line. He's saying, that's it now. I use my servant to come and preach to you and tell you I know what's wrong. Time to bring the bull. You have refused to do so this morning and you just like the children of Israel that would not listen to God. So it's not going to be the man that warns you anymore. It will be God. I hate to have to end the service this way, Brother Glenn. I hate to have to end the service this way. But you felt the conviction power of the Lord. You've seen it; it was all over you, and you've read what you said. It's on you now. I would say to you today, if you loved yourself, you should be acting a whole lot different. once you're acting. Right his glory to another. And when you're in his presence, he's wanting you and not your bull. you got to kill him. So that said, this morning, I'm praying for each and every one of you that you'll find the desire in your life to bring the bull. Father, in the name of Jesus, this morning I thank you for your people that have sat here patiently and listened to this man screaming, hollering. Listen to him preach with his heart. Father, I I ask you today, Lord God, that each and every person that's under the sound of my voice will hear you. Those that have asked for mercy, Lord, shed it upon them right now. Grace upon them right now. God, give it to them right now. Those that refuse, follow our lease and release the Spirit of the Holy Ghost upon them right now. Every angel that is assigned to them in their life. Father, you have claimed them today. You took them today. You said these are your children today. And God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I claim them. And I pronounce it here on this earth as, the, as your children, and I claim right now, Lord God, that you will bring them to you. Father, have your way in their life. Have your way with us. Lead God and direct us. Bring us back in love and in unity. Father, bless the hands that have prepared our food that we're to receive next door. Let God let us use the strength we acquire for Your glory. I'll be careful to give You the praise and the glory for it all in Jesus' precious and holy name. Let the church say Amen. And amen. Shake a neck, hug a hand, tell them you love them. Amen. didn't latch good or something. One end that was messed up, I believe. Well, both ends was. It fell down. But Kit tried to put it back up during service when we were singing. But um, he couldn't get the one side of it, so one of them still ain't working. Absolutely. I don't know if it's messed up or it's just hard to latch, I guess. You ready to go? You are? You want to put that yeah, that'll work. Oh, yeah. That's right. um, <laughs> but if I can keep my